Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Robert Russo, the company manager of San Francisco Ballet, and I'm very excited and happy to be here with all of you today for this special Meet the Artist conversation with my colleague and friend, San Francisco Ballet soloist dancer, Rory Hohenstein. Hello. We thought we would start off this afternoon by just letting everyone know that um, we are podcasting this interview, which will be available probably in a week's time on our website at sfballet.org. And today is Sunday, February 3rd, 2008. What we're going to do this afternoon is um, have a conversation with Rory because he's such an interesting person and a, one of the great dancers in our company and talk a little bit about the season, some of the ballets that he's dancing in, uh, particularly in programs one and two, which are playing now, and some of the other highlights this season. And then I thought we would have an opportunity to really open the audience up for questions so that you guys can take a moment and, and, and ask Rory something um, that you want to know. Yeah. So first, um, first at the beginning of this season, which, by the way, as everyone knows, is San Francisco Ballet's 75th anniversary season, uh, programs one and two that are playing in repertory right now, you're dancing um, two ballets, one in each of the two programs. This afternoon, um, the audience is going to see Filling Station, and you had the wonderful pleasure to play the role of Mac on the opening night on Tuesday. I did, and I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about what it was like to play that role in that kind of a very specific ballet, and how did you prepare for such a role? Um, it was the ballet is, is so historical, and um, it felt really special to be a part of it, especially on the 75th anniversary. And ballet mistress Anita Pachodi, um, she's so great with working with these specific ballets; they're very characterized. Um, a little over the top. It's, it's a funny ballet. It's great storyline. And um, we had just had a great time in the studio rehearsing for it. And um, opening night was really special. It, there was a lot of people in the dance world that have performed it before me, Jacques Dembois and Luke Christensen. So it was very special to be a part of that historical line. Yeah. It's also a ballet that um, I had never seen before, but of course knew about, and I was really drawn to the color, the color of the costumes, the sort of period detail. It really, it's, it's like going into another era, and um, with that comes this wonderful life of comedy and timing and, and drama, and each character has a real sort of actor part as well as, as being a dancer. Yeah, very much so. It's very much... It is about the dancing, but it is very characterized. Each person is playing a distinct character, whether it's a gas station attendant, you know, a drunken couple, uh, truck drivers, a robber, and um, it's great. It's the costumes, the sets are very primary colored. It's very bright, vibrant. Um, it's great. I, I remember reading in the program notes uh, what. Um our ballet master, Anita Pachotti, said something about, you know, it, it wasn't so much about teaching the steps of the choreography. That, that came easily. But the real challenge was trying to dig into the character development and the comic sense of timing to make it look, you know, to make it look correct. It, because although at some moments it can be over the top, a lot of it, you know, you do want to be somewhat natural. And it, you, it's important, I think, to get the story across. Absolutely. And then um, in the other program that's on right now, you're, you're doing uh, Mark Morris's Drink to Me Only with Thine Eyes. Yes. Which is a very different ballet than the one yes. that uh, we just spoke about. Yes. Tell me some thoughts about that ballet. 
almost the opposite uh, to Filling Station. There's not really any story. It's clearly all about the dance movements, the steps, um, the patterns and the dancing. It's very beautiful, very simple. Actually, everyone's in all white, just a single piano on stage. It's just very simplistic, very element, just elementary. It's very elementary, and also the, the, the music is, is quite beautiful, having that played uh, on stage with a piano, I think, and visually. Which is the same, I just learned backstage from our music director, is the same composer for Drink to Me Only with Anina as Filling Station, Virgil Thompson. So. Yeah, so that's kind of a nice connection between yep. both of those ballets and your work in programs mm-hmm. one and two. So looking ahead, Rory, to what's coming up, um, there is... So, there are so many wonderful ballets in, in store this year, and two of my favorite programs coming up are programs four and five, and you have a sort of a, a key part in, in some of those very important ballets, um, Fancy Free, which we yes. saw last year, Yes, um, which is just really wonderful. And, and what was it like for you learning that, playing that famous part, that sailor, and, and getting that under your skin in the way that you did? You know, it was just... It, Honestly, it was a lot of fun. Every day we'd go in the studio. Um, there was three or four different casts with Jean-Pierre, JP, and um, it was just a lot of fun. Again, it was a lot of acting involved in it. Jerome Robbins, um, you know, everyone kind of knows the images of the three sailors. There's three very distinct characters. You know, there's the lover boy, there's the one who likes to fight all the time, and then there's the leader. And, um, you know, it's just us in the studio, all of us being friends and having a good time, just laughing and working on it. it and that ballet, of course, um, many of you might have, might have seen it last, last year or, or at other companies, you know, was the sort of impetus, if you will, for what later became the film and the Broadway stage production of On the Town. Mm-hmm. That's quite, quite cool. Um, and then we have a real, real treat this season coming up um, on program four, which is something very new to the company. Uh, in many ways, it's new, not just because we've never performed the ballet before, but um, it brings a lot of additional elements to what's going on stage. Yes. And this is the West Side Story Suite. Yes. And you are playing Riff, yes. which is one of the main characters. And I know everyone's curious about it, and so am I. I, I saw some of the rehearsals early on when we were staging it, but um, what was it like preparing for, in essence, which is a musical theatrical production with singing and movement and acting all together, which is different than normally what we do here? I think we're all really excited about this one because it wasn't just a ballet that we were able to do. We actually, as a company, had to audition to be able to perform this piece of work because it is involved in the Robbins Trust Fund and everything. So we all had to do, everyone in the company had to do singing auditions. And all of our videos were sent to the Robbins Trust, and they decided whether we were basically good enough (laughs) to perform it. Um, And we were. So it's going to be such an exciting moment, I think. And to work on it is, we all had just so much, again, so much fun. I keep saying that, but we really did. It was really difficult getting over the fear factor of having to sing in front of all of your colleagues, you know. And, um, but again, there was so much support, you know. All of us, we rehearsed singing separately without the dancing aspect involved yet. JP wanted to kind of be separate so we can kind of build up stamina and guts. (laughs) So, um... So we didn't involve that until later when we started running the ballet. 
and it was great. And there was so much support in the studio. You never felt like you were being, you know, judged or laughed at or, you know, which, you know, can happen, I guess. But And for those of you who don't know uh, JP, JP Froelich is the, uh, the ballet master who is staging West Side Story Suite for us, uh, along with a few other colleagues from, um, from New York. And um, so it's the Jets and the Sharks. It's the Romeo and Juliet story mm-hmm. told in a different way. But um, it's going to be quite spectacular seeing our dancers singing and performing this. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. JP also, you know, when we're setting this ballet, he has so many wonderful historic stories that, you know, when he was working with Jerome, he would pass them down to us. And um, it it's, can be quite an intense experience having the two opposite sides between the Jets and the Sharks. You know, Jerome, he used to tell us Jerome, before they would go on stage, would never let the two sides talk before they went out there to dance. And it's really hard because, you know, a lot of my closest friends are actually on the other team. You know, they're on the... (laughs) So it's really interesting, and JP really wants that natural sense of aggression, and so it's, it's such a different way of working with each other than just going into the studio and being a part of something together. So. Well, I hope if, if you're not already, if you don't already have tickets for that part of the season, you should definitely, you should definitely get, some get tickets because it's going to be a, a really wonderful part. And then in, in program five, um, Rory, there are another two ballets I think that you're doing. Um, another one with a sort of musical theater historical component, which is Carousel of Dance, mm-hmm. Christopher Wilden's ballet, which we uh, premiered last season here. And Wayne McGregor's Eden Eden, two very different ballets with a lot of different energy. And um, what are some of your thoughts on, on doing both of those ballets? It's, it's a lot of fun. I like, I like the contrast between the two ballets. Carousel, obviously, is a romantic kind of Broadway-style ballet that's very beautiful, very simple. And Eden Eden is quite the opposite. It's about cloning, and Wayne McGregor really kind of pushed the boundaries on what the dancers are capable of, I think, in this company in terms of what's required to actually do the piece. It's very harsh movements, um, very body-stretching, very active, yeah. Yeah, it's very, very active. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining me, um, I'm happy to say that I'm here in conversation with San Francisco Ballet soloist dancer Rory Hohenstein, and we're talking about some of the exciting ballets that he's working on this, uh, our 75th anniversary season in the company. So going back in time, you, you were born in Washington, D.C., right. and you lived there for a while, but there was an interesting moment in your life when you decided you were moving outside of America to another country. Mm-hmm. And tell us about your experience going and living in France. I, um, I was in my senior year. I was studying at the Kirov Academy of Ballet in Washington for six years. And in my senior year, I... Um, I through a friend heard of a job opening in this company called Jean Ballet de France in Paris. And I basically just made a tape and sent it to them. And, um, and I got the job offer. So I, I left halfway through the year and, um, I could only go unless I could take my academics with me. So basically my teachers would just email me my homework and I would go to a coffee shop and send it back to them. But, um, but it was a very interesting experience moving there. It was very, very difficult at times, very wonderful at times, awful, exciting, beautiful, all of them. I remember once you told me when we were talking about your, your time living there, you said, a day doesn't go by that I don't think about it. 
True. It's true. It's, it was definitely one of those experiences that I didn't really appreciate in the moment. I couldn't see what I had in that moment. Um, it was a very difficult time in my personal life, leaving my family behind. And I was only 17. And um, I mean, the dancing was amazing. There was so much wonderful choreography happening over there, very contemporary work that I just was madly in love with. But there was just so many kind of not so nice things I didn't appreciate when I was there that, you know, once I left, I realized how beautiful they were. And uh, it's just, it's a special place for me that I do. I think of it every day at something at some point. And of course, there was a moment um, during your time there when Helgi Thomason was in France. And I believe, was it in France where he saw the company? Um, actually, I well, sorry to go back. I Before I went to the company in Paris, I auditioned for San Francisco Ballet. I was 16 and um, Helgi said that he liked me, but I was still too young, but to call back a little bit later. And um, so I had moved to Paris and spent, you know, nine or ten months there, and I called his assistant back and said, I'm in Europe right now, and but I'm still really interested in this company, I'm trying to get out of Paris at the time. <laughs> and, um, and he, we were actually, JBF was on tour in Madrid, Spain, so um, he was in Europe actually at the time, so he came and saw a show. And uh, he came backstage, and I asked him for a contract. And we're so delighted that he was in Madrid that day. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I really love most about my my work at the company, you know, working with the dancers every day, um, there's another part of my job here which is really terrific, fun and exciting, and I love it, and it's touring. Uh, I manage the touring for the company, and we've we've had the good opportunity to be together in, in a number of countries together on tour. Yes. And France was one of them. A few years back, we were on tour in Paris, and we were there for a month and uh, performed at an outdoor festival, which was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the ballets that you did uh, on that season in Paris is uh, Helgi's Concerto Grosso, mm-hmm. which you can talk a little bit about for those who might not know it. Um, Helgi Thomason created Concerto Grosso, um, it's a, it's a very special piece. I smile because it's a very special piece to the five gentlemen that are in it. Um, Helgi created it, I believe, five or six years ago, probably five years ago. Um, Pascal Malat, the boy in red, um, who's kind of the center guy of the group. Um, Pascal was a soloist then. And Hanske, Jaime, Garrett, and myself were all in the core. And he created it for that year's gala that was coming up. And the piece is very special to us personally because within the choreography, you can clearly tell that each section is meant for that specific boy. Pascal has the speedy jumps and quick turns, and Jaime has the really slow adagio and just moves very beautifully. And so it's, it's very clear that it's, it's our piece. And I don't mean to be selfish, but it's very much our piece. And, um, and to see it go through the years now, it's been really exciting because now Pascal is a principal and all of us are soloists. And, and it's, it's a great piece. And we also piece. had a chance this past summer... Um, the five boys and myself, uh, we went to Chicago. There was a new outdoor festival in Millennium Park uh, that the choreographer Lar Lubavitch organized and invited Helgi to present uh, his Concerto Grosso on the program. And it was really, really wonderful to have that experience for me and I guess for everybody to see our dancers on a program with dancers from six or seven other companies. Yeah, I think what also made that special too was, um, you know, usually when we go on tour, we're only performing 
just this company. And being able to do Concerto Grosso in the confines of that's only us from San Francisco Ballet and there's, you know, eight other companies with us, to kind of see that ballet contrasted between other choreographies or other companies and it was great. There was a lot of contemporary on the program and we were probably one of the only classical pieces so it kind of stood out a little bit more and it was just, it was a lot of fun being able to meet other dancers from other companies. It's always fun when you get to mix a little bit because so often you find that you're separated as a company. You don't really get to interact with other dancers from other companies or unless you're off work and you're, you know, hanging out on vacation or something. And we're going to have another chance at the end of our current season to do Concerto Grosso again, this time in in Portland, Oregon. Yes. We're going to do two performances um, in Portland uh, in May. So if anyone's around Portland at that time, Mm -hmm. come and take a look. It's going to be fun. We're also going to be on a program with uh, three other companies. So it'll be another similar experience. But this time it'll be inside theaters. Inside theaters, yeah. It's it's definitely the touring ballet, I have to say. Concerto Grosso has been... Literally everywhere we have gone, it has gone, literally. It's a portable firecracker. It is so beautiful (laughs) and colorful and explosive. And Um, you can just put everything in a suitcase and there you go. There you go. (laughs) Well, I think at this point, um, there must be somebody that has a question or two for Rory. That um, Who wants to start? Yes, ma'am. She's asked uh, if it's easier to learn a story ballet or another kind of a, like a more traditional uh, contemporary work. Um, honestly, that's a really interesting question. Um, sometimes I think it can be easier to learn a story ballet because you know where the character is going. You know from the start what's behind that character's motivation. Um, and, you know, when you're just doing something like Drink to Me... Mark Morris Ballet, and it's just very clear, the choreography, you know, you don't have to think about emotions while you're out there, you're thinking about the stance steps. So I think it depends, um, because, you know, also with a story ballet, there's a lot more you have to think about when you're out there. You know, you're thinking about what you're supposed to be feeling, or how you're reacting to the person that's upsetting you, or making you feel good. You know, it's, there's a lot of more emotional attachment and involvement, um, so I think it, it varies. I mean, honestly, at some point it's going to be separated. At some point, even learning a character ballet, you're going to just learn the steps and then add the character a bit later. But, um, but yeah, I, sorry, I didn't really answer that question. I just thought of... I think character ballets are easier. There you go. And <laughs> coming up on the next program, we'll have a character ballet, won't we? Yes. <laughs> Giselle is coming Giselle's next in program three, and that'll be a nice, um, it'll be nice to see that back on the stage again. It's a nice ballet. It's beautiful, actually. It's one of my favorite full lengths, I have to say. Next question. Yes, ma'am. Hi. She's asked a question about tap dancing, whether you've mm-hmm. been a tap dancer. And, and you can answer that, but then why don't we also mention um, Rodeo, because that was another interesting yes. part of tap dancing at San Francisco Ballet. Yes, I um, Well, I took... Before I started ballet, I started ballet when I was 12, and I went to the Kirov. But before that, from when I was six, I wanted to be a Broadway dancer. Uh, I didn't really care for ballet that much. So I basically just took jazz and tap um, in hopes of, you know, someday going to New York and stuff like that. So I had taken tap for many, many years. And then, you know, when I came here, 
it was by accident that Anita Pachotti, the ballet mistress, found out that I was tapping. Um, I've said this story quite a bit, but sometimes when I get nervous or if I'm bored, and I, w- I was waiting for the elevator one day in the building, and I was just kind of standing there. I pushed the button. And I was just standing there, just kind of like tapping my feet, just because I was bored. And Anita walked by, and she asked me, she was like, do you tap? And I was like, well, I did, you know, before I started ballet. And she's like, oh, okay. And she just walked away. And then a year later, when Rodeo came back, I was cast in the part that did the tap dancing. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a wonderful story. Yeah. Yes, sir. He's asked how you got into dance from a very early age, and how did it begin for you? Um, every dancer kind of has their story, whether their parents, you know, put them in dance. I, I remember watching White Nights, um, which is why I liked the tap dancing, because um, of Gregory Hines. And, um, and I kept asking for those special shoes. And my parents didn't really think anything of it until, you know, a year later. And then I started taking tap tap lessons and then it just kind of evolved um like i said i never i never really thought of about being in a ballet company you know i pretty much just wanted to do broadway stuff and um and then from there my friend asked me just to try out for this ballet school to cure off to do it for a summer program for fun so i went and i you know i just kind of kept going back because i enjoyed it it just kind of took its own natural course actually it's never really been something that in terms of ballet companies that i had a goal of, but it was the movie White Nights that I saw. Yes, ma'am. She's asking about um, uh, the musical score that John Adams has made for one of the uh, upcoming new works that we're doing. Um, That would be the Mark Morris Ballet. Um, Mark and John are very close friends. And um, that's in the New Works Festival, the 10 new works that we have coming up towards the end of the season. And um, Mark had been telling us before he started choreographing it, he came into the studio and told us that, you know, he's been friends with John for for a long time and he hasn't worked with him and his music for a long time but something special had come up and so John composed this music for this specific piece and um and I have to say it's it's different and I think that there's going to be something exciting about it it's not I've done a few Mark Morris Valley since I've been here and I think it's quite different from his usual stuff so I would expect some exciting things I'll say and this musical score that John Adams uh, has made, um, interestingly, is um, it's a co-commissioned score between San Francisco Ballet, Stanford Lively Arts, and Carnegie Hall in New York. So we're excited uh, to, to have that here um, yeah. coming into the festival. No, it's, it's, it's going to be really exciting. Um, I mean, to be a part of that, it's a huge deal. John Adams, he's a great composer, and he came into the studio quite often um, because he was composing some last bits of it while we were actually choreographing it. So it was nice. He was there in the studio sometimes watching, and um, it's not the easiest music to count to. Or Mark's very great with those types of things. He's so genius when it comes to musicality and steps and timing. So he, he's probably the only person that could work on a score like that, I have to say. But uh, it's interesting. It's different. 
So for the festival that's coming up um, at the end of our season, I'm sure everybody's read about now, but um, we're having 10 world premieres by 10 uh, ten choreographers all happening here in uh, in April, and you can read more about that in your program and hopefully um, you 'll be able to join us to see some of those wonderful new productions, including the mark morris that uh, that Rory was just speaking about. I think we have time maybe for one or two more questions yes ma 'am she 's asked yeah, yeah that 's a great question that's a great question that is um, she 's asking about um, uh, the ballet that Wade Robson made for our gala. Uh, a, two weeks ago called The Energy Between Us? Uh, that was a complete surprise, I have to say, uh, not only for the company, but for us dancers. Um, a lot of people know of Wade Robson, probably most likely through his choreography on the show, So You Think You Can Dance. And um, we had no idea that he was coming, actually, until maybe a month before a gala. And um, he came into the studio and auditioned some dancers. Um, and... And Gallo's pretty much preset who was doing what uh, Pata does and stuff. Um, so we just started working on it. And he's a great guy, very calm. And um, we just had a lot of fun. He, uh, it's clearly more jazz and kind of hip-hop based. It's not your classical ballet at all. And um, it was really exciting, I think, because of that fact. It was so different. And we, we got our chance to... Um, <laughs> Sorry. We got our chance to kind of step outside of the usual kind of thing that we do here. And um, it was great. I think for, for, for Wade as well, he said to me that it was um, a really wonderful experience to have a chance to really create something on such an enormously dense, artistically rich body of, of dancers. Because, you know, when you work in television, sometimes it's a very different kind of a medium. And here he was just, I think, really just so amazed um, having had this chance to work with you all. Yeah, he, he, it was very much a, a collaboration between the two worlds. Uh, I mean, he's, I think, more used to working in television where, you know, it's more camera-angled ideas and, you know... And here it's very much just kind of a flat screen, you know? It's very much uh, dimension-wise, it's different. And also working with the girls on point was different for him as well. Uh, he wasn't sure at first if he wanted to have it on point because he's not used to choreographing on point. He usually does it in bare feet. So it was very much this gritty work in the studio to figure out on what basis were we going to do this on. And uh, it was great. A lot of, a lot of fun. Our last question. Yes, ma'am. That's a great question, too. She's asked, what's going on in your mind when you're dancing? Are you counting? Are you thinking? Are you tired? Um, a little bit of everything, I think. Um, I think it depends on the dancer. Some, some, and, it depends on the music as well. Personally, I don't like to count when I'm out there. I, I feel like if I'm counting, I'm not enjoying what I'm, what I'm doing. I don't like to have to think, you know, five, six, seven, eight, five, twelves, two, threes, and then after seven, I go out there. Because um, it gets really mathematical, and I just don't like it. Um, but when I'm out there, I just, you know, I think that's the one time you try and forget everything. And, you know, you get all of your corrections before you go out there, and... And you learn from your mistakes from the previous shows. I think for me personally, I like to just kind of enjoy it when I'm out there. I mean, of course, there's times where I'm thinking, please let this be over soon or <laughs> things like that. You know, depending on the piece, if I'm tired or, you know, I just am tired, you know. But, um, but I try and enjoy it as much as I can, you know, because it's not that often that, you know, you do get to perform, so...
Before we leave, and uh, I just want to thank everybody for coming to this conversation with Rory Hohenstein, but of course, the last question is going to you. Why don't you tell us if there's one thing right now in your mind that you're thinking about, is there one part of this season that's the most exciting to you, or what, what's um, one kernel of something that's really um, thinking, you're thinking a lot about right now? I'm thinking of... This is going to sound maybe weird. I'm thinking of comfortability. I think I've been here in this company now for a while. It's my eighth season, and I feel like I've kind of found my little niche inside the company. And I'm just, I'm really looking forward to kind of sitting back and enjoying the 75th anniversary as a dancer and I'm trying not to worry about things or. And I'm just looking forward to all the new works and the new companies that are coming to join us. And uh, I'm trying to just relax and enjoy the season without worrying about stuff. Well, I know um, everybody's excited as I am to see you dancing during the rest of this great season. And uh, what a season it's going to be. It sure is. Thank you all so much for sharing this part of the afternoon with us. Thank you. Thank you.